You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hello and welcome to You Beauty, the podcast for your face. I'm Shazzy Hunt and you are listening to our weekly Ask an Expert episode. Now, regular listeners to this podcast have no doubt heard myself or Erin or Lee or Kelly harp on about hyaluronic acid as the benchmark active ingredient if you're looking to do something about skin hydration. So you can imagine my surprise the other day while I was doing some prep for this podcast and came across this email that went into a bit of detail about the different types of hyaluronic acid. And I was shook because I've been doing this beauty journalism thing for quite a while and somehow I seem to have totally missed the whole thing that there are different types of hyaluronic acid. So I felt it was only fair that I came here today to share this information with you, but also to get an expert on board to explain it to all of us, myself included, what the different types are. Joining me on the podcast is skin scientist, author, and founder of Synergy Skin, Terry Vincent-Jones. Terry, great to have you here. Thanks, Jesse. Lovely to be here, and thanks for asking me. Terry, remind us again about what hyaluronic acid is, why we love it so much, and why we need it in our skincare routines. Well, I think it's become a real buzz in the industry, particularly in the last few years, but it's a natural part of the human body. It's present in our eyes and our joints and also in our skin, mainly in the dermis. It's basically a water magnet. It binds a thousand times its own weight in water, which is pretty amazing. And it gives you that kind of firmness and that volume. And we actually start losing hyaluronic acid from gulp the age of 20. And by the age of 40, we've lost 25% of it. And when you get to my age, we've lost 50% of it. So it's something that we need to be mindful of to maintain and put in our skincare. And there's over 20,000 products on the market with hyaluronic acid at this stage. Wow, that's a lot. As I mentioned earlier in, in the intro, my mind was blown when I learned that there were not just one form of hyaluronic acid because it's kind of this term that's used, but actually that there's all different ones. So is that something we need to be aware of when we're choosing a skincare product with hyaluronic acid, that there's not just one type? Absolutely. And I think this is one of the things people think hyaluronic acid is a one size fits all approach to skincare. And I'll admit I did as well. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people do. And the, the old traditional old school hyaluronic acid, which was say five to 10 years ago, was what's called the high molecular weight hyaluronic acid. But there's also low molecular weight and ultra low. They do different things on the skin. But to be clear, none of them get to the dermis. They all stay in the upper layer of the skin. So there's a lot of myth around that. There's three types, broadly speaking, and even within those three types, there's subtypes. But you've got your high molecular weight. Molecular weight means how big the molecule is. Scientists speak about Daltons, which are tiny, tiny, tiny amounts. But your high molecular weight is up to 4 million Daltons. And that sits on the very top of the skin, the very surface called the stratum corneum, basically plumps up the dead skin cells that aren't quite ready to shed yet. And that's great for instant kind of hydration and the look of the skin. It gives you that dewiness. And then you've got your low molecular weight, which is ranging from 100 to 500 kilodaltons. And that just sits just below the stratum corneum and the upper level of the epidermis. And that's really great for hydration. But 
It's also really good at calming the skin and it's great for redness and rosacea. And then this is a newer type of hyaluronic acid. You've got your ultra-low or your hydrolyzed hyaluronic acid, and that's under 100 kilodaltons, and that penetrates to the deepest part of the epidermis, and that gives you the hydration from within. But it also works on the lower part of the skin, which helps with collagen. It helps with barrier function. It helps with wound healing, inflammation, and a deeper, more significant impact on deep hydration. So there really is a minefield of different types of hyaluronic acid available. And this is the thing, I guess, by picking up a packet, you're not necessarily going to know which one you're going to get. That's right. And the thing is, as companies, you are not legally required to state the molecular weight of the hyaluronic acid. As a cosmetic chemist in my lab, you always buy it as a powder, which is called sodium hyaluronate. So you need to look on your label for sodium hyaluronate. Hyaluronic acid is actually the buzzword, not the correct international name that we use. So you've got that. And if you see hydrolyzed hyaluronic acid or hydrolyzed sodium hyaluronate, that generally indicates it's lower molecular weight, but you don't necessarily see that. So it's pretty difficult to ascertain. So if we're not cosmetic chemists, how are we meant to try and figure out which one our product has? It is really hard. And I think one of the really important things is transparency with companies. So I personally think you should be able to call the company and ask them and they should be transparent enough to tell you, okay, this product we've used two types here or we've only used the high molecular weight. So you know what you're getting. They're all good types. They're all going to do different things. But for somebody who's, say, more mature, you might need the hyaluronic acid that has the feedback to the collagen, more deeply hydrates. But if you're a young person who just wants that plumping effect, you might only need the high molecular weight, which sits on the surface. Okay. So tell me which one's are better than others? Are some of them better than others of the hyaluronic acid types? My preference would be going from low to ultra low. I believe in the elegance of the formula as well. The high molecular weight is just sitting on the surface. It does nothing on a cellular level. It doesn't affect living cells whatsoever, whereas the low and the ultra low can affect the living cells. So if you just want that surface plumpness and it'll come off when you wash your face at night, then that's for you. And that's for somebody who's very, very young and just wants that hydration after they've been traveling or something. But the low and the ultra low are the sort of hyaluronic acids I would go for. Or ideally, in my formulas, I would mix a couple of forms together, two or three, a minimum of two. So it's okay to have a few different kinds of hyaluronic acid in a product? Absolutely. Absolutely, Shazzy. I would um, definitely recommend mixing different types because you want to target different levels of the skin. You want to target different needs. So pretty much everybody needs to combat inflammation and barrier repair. And that's when you're getting into your lower molecular weights. So I would always have pretty much a low and a high or a low and an ultra low in most of the formulas. Are there any skin types that would benefit from different kinds of hyaluronic acid? Yes, I believe that somebody who's, say, over the age of 40 who's lost a lot of hyaluronic acid already would definitely need the ultra-low because that starts to send that feedback to the dermis to make more collagen. We also know that it is better for wound healing. And the ultra-low is actually able to combat UV damage because it acts as an antioxidant. 
And these are all things that as our skin matures, we probably need that little bit more bang for your buck. Whereas the young person would only need the higher molecular weight. And then somebody say, who is suffering from a bit of barrier dysfunction or somebody who's got a bit of rosacea, you need your low molecular weight and that works on inflammation. So I would say very young, high molecular weight, low molecular weight for inflamed skin and ultra low for very mature skin in a nutshell. Okay. And it's just a matter of trying to work out which one your product actually is, which is where almost the tricky part is. What about marketing myths around hyaluronic acid? What are some of the tricks that some companies do? We tend to believe that it's the be-all and end-all. I think that hydration has got multiple layers in it and hyaluronic acid is not necessarily the only solution to hydration. Because I said that sodium hyaluronate, or I'm going to say hyaluronic acid because that's the word everybody knows, doesn't get to the dermis. But there are some ingredients that actually do get to the dermis and they will hydrate the skin. Also, there's other ingredients that act as water magnets. And for example, glycerin even though it's a simple ingredient that everybody knows about, it's a great little water magnet. Sodium PCA, sodium lactate are humectants. Betaine is another ingredient I love to use, and that's a water balancer, so it draws water into the cell where it's needed. And there's another really exciting ingredient that I've just uh, touched on. is called hydrolyzed wild pansy extract, and it's a botanical. What that does, it increases the production of what's called the water channels in our skin, so it brings the water from the dermis to the epidermis and it also increases hyaluronic acid production. So there's lots of ingredients that you can use to complement your hyaluronic acid or quite independently of hyaluronic acid. So it's not the be all and end all where it is on the ingredient list. Sometimes people think that it has to be high up on the ingredient list to have a significant impact, whereas the hydrolyzed or the ultra low molecular weight you only might need 0.1 of a percent in your formula to have an impact. And anything 1% or lower on an ingredient list can be in any order you like. So you might see it at the very bottom, but it still might have a tremendous impact on the skin. So the order is not necessarily an indicator of how effective it will be in the product. That's so interesting that it's not the be all and end all with hydration. Cause I'll admit that is kind of the message that I felt has been dealt to me that it's like, if you've got hyaluronic acid, tick that off off onto other parts of your routine because you go, okay, I've done my hydration bit. So are you saying that it should be part of a bigger pot of ingredients that you should be using when it comes to hydration in order to get the maximum benefits? I actually do. I think it's a combination of ingredients and and there's so much synergy in cosmetic chemistry between ingredients. For example, niacinamide is one of my favourite ingredients. I've been using it for almost 20 years in formulating. And what it does is it increases your skin's own natural ceramides and that prevents moisture loss. So niacinamide every day is fantastic for hydration. And some people don't use hyaluronic acid and they still have beautifully hydrated skin. I do believe there's a place for it. Don't get me wrong, but I do believe that we ignore other hydrating ingredients that can do just as good a job. If there were a downside to hyaluronic acid, what do you think it would be? I think it would be using it in the wrong environment. So when you think about hyaluronic acid, what we said is it's a giant water magnet or water sponge. So it's going to take water from the place it's in highest concentration. So I'll give you two examples. You're on a plane, the driest environment you can be on. You've just put a hyaluronic serum on your face. 
there is no moisture in the air. So where's that hyaluronic acid going to take that moisture from? It's going to go straight to the skin because that's where the water is. So technically, it's going to dry out your epidermis and you're going to be a wrinkle prune when you get off that plane. Okay? <laughs> and you've done the right thing by putting it on in the plane. Oh, you thought you were doing the right thing. Yeah, there's a trick. Another example is a hot environment with very low humidity, for example. Humidity is your best friend with hyaluronic acid, by the way, because it's going to put all that moisture from the air into your skin. But say you're in a dry environment, the trick is when you're putting on your hyaluronic serum to put it on a damp face, not a wet face, but a damp face. That way you've got a bit of protection. And then after you put your serum in, lock it in with an emollient moisturizer containing a small amount of oil, and that will prevent the epidermal water loss. Okay, we are thinking we're doing the right thing and we're doing the wrong thing. Oh, blows my mind. I was thinking about the temporary effects of hyaluronic acid. Is this uh -huh. something that people need to be aware of? Is there any long-term gain from using a hyaluronic acid product? Yes, the temporary ones are the high molecular weight. So that's when the stuff just sits on your dead skin and plumps up. A bit like putting a raisin in a glass of water. It'll become a plump grape, but you take it out of the water, it'll become a raisin again. So that's what the high molecular weight does. But the low and the ultra low do have long-term effects because they have an impact on the living cells. And there are still living cells in our epidermis. They just die as they get to the top and shed off. I think the ultra low will have the most significant effect on the long-term health of our skin. As I said, it's for barrier repair, reducing inflammation and feedback mechanisms for collagen and also feedback mechanisms for increasing hyaluronic acids. So I think the lower you go, the lighter you go, the better the long-term health of your skin. The heavier you go, it's more of a quick fix. Any last words for all of us literally listening to this, going into the bathroom now, looking at our products going, I don't know which one I have. What do I do? How do I work this out? What are your final words for anyone trying to do the right thing, find the right type of hyaluronic acid product for their routine? I would say if you do see hydrolyzed hyaluronic acid in your ingredient list, it doesn't matter if it's really, really low, you can be sure that it's going to be a lowish molecular weight, low to ultra low. So that's a good thing. So look for the term sodium hyaluronate, not hyaluronic acid. If you see it a couple of times on the ingredient list, that could be an indicator they use a couple of types. And I think really look at your packaging. And I would actually ask the company, go into their website and ask them because they should be transparent. That's one of the biggest bugbears I have with this industry. We need to have more transparency and be open with our consumers. They need to know what they're putting on their skin. Terry, thank you for giving us all that wisdom and for breaking down all those different types of hyaluronic acid. Power is over to us now to work it out. Thanks, Shazzy. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for listening today. I'm Shazzy Hunt. Our show's executive producer is Talisa Bazaz and audio production is by Leah Porges. If you can't get enough of you, Beauty, then make sure you sign up to our Facebook group, follow us on Instagram, and come back to your usual podcast app every weekday for a shiny new episode. And I'll be back here next week. Bye.